This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fagalo falahi atu and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I am Dean Hartel and as always I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Sarah Nangama. Sarah, welcome. Bula Dean and bullet to all of our listeners. It is so good to be back in the studio for another week of our fantastic show. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have an interview with a close friend and a much respected figure within NRL, George Danzi, and we have a new question for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. Really looking forward to hearing from George. He's a great guy. Good bloke. Very popular guy amongst the rugby league community. Yes, has a lot of clout around his name. A lot of clout. You've had a busy week, weekend. Yes. Any stories pop up out of that? Well, I guess one thing I did do on the weekend, which is different to any other, is I made my sideline debut. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. It started on Friday night. Uh, I was lucky enough to join Q on ABC uh, Sports to commentate the Reds versus Waratahs game, and it was a fantastic experience. It sounded like it was a fantastic experience, and you did a great job, by the way. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. Now, most, a lot of, so many people, when they make their debut, get to experience the conditions of the sideline, (laughs) and it didn't miss you. It did not miss me. It did not miss me. The heavens opened up (laughs) and poured down. And, um, but you know, it kind of adds to the experience. I sat on the sideline. The only thing that was worrying me was because I had a clipboard on my lap. I thought I was quite dry, but it wasn't until I got up, I realized how drenched my back slash legs were, but my notes just got absolutely pulled apart in the rain, which was not, um, great, particularly if I can't, see the players from a fight. I can only see their numbers. So I was yeah. like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> but Q looked after me and our wonderful producer Nelly was um, in the studio. So she was uh, sending me some, you know, some quick texts being like, put your earphones on. We're trying to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm putting it on. But no, it was, it was a fabulous experience and um, I'm sure there's plenty more to come. Yes. Fingers crossed and well done again. I'm sure there will be more to come. Q did have a piece of advice for you around maybe what to bring to the sideline. What were they? Gumboots. Do you have any? I do, but they're they're in Campbelltown at the moment at my boyfriend's family's house. But I need to because I, you know, I was on sideline and I, you know, there's obviously no camera. It's just me and my husky voice. So I was like dressed up really cool and I put some air forces <laughs> on. And bro, those air forces are gone skis now. Double socks are really helpful too, like during winter, like if it yeah. gets really cold. Remember that time you said you were going to send me a text with some pointers? Yeah, I thought you were going to call me. Oh. Anyway, what's making news this week? <laughs> Our top news story this week is by a great athlete that we've covered extensively on this show. It's Dame Valerie Adams. She has confirmed her retirement from shot put. Well, this is huge news. She's uh, a New Zealand hero in sport and someone that when you switch on the Olympics – most years, you'll highlight the women's shot put because you know that uh, Valerie Adams is going to play a big part in, in pushing for a medal or or figuring at least highly in, in the ranks there. And uh, yes, it's it's big news for her to announce her retirement. She's contributed so much to the sport of shot put and athletics, obviously in New Zealand, but um, such a role model for for people all over the country uh, to to see her perform as well as she has done over a long period of time um, at the at the international level. Twenty two years. Mm. Of, of competing at the highest level in shot put. Uh, in that time, she's obviously won um, a number of events, 107 successive shot put competitions she's won between the years of 2006 to th- 2015. So have that stretch of 
winning events is huge. And, and, and to go with that, um, a number of Olympic medals, including two gold medals, a silver and a bronze. So quite a, um, a haul that she's had on the Olympic stage and a number of world titles as well. And yeah, what a inspiration. She really is an inspiration and such a positive role model for all athletes around the world. And it's, it's timely, I think, for her, but off track she will um, actually still be coaching her younger sister and Tokyo Paralympic shot put champ, Lisa, towards her next Olympic campaign in 2024. So there's still so much to look forward to, and I'm sure she will continue to contribute well to society. So congratulations on a stellar career, and uh, we look forward to seeing what she uh, brings forward. Yes, congratulations. Now over to the NRLW, which kicked off on the weekend. It was uh, a big weekend for the women's game of rugby league. Sunday, Newcastle, three games in a row, triple header, and it didn't disappoint. No, it absolutely didn't disappoint. It was such a blockbuster event up in Newcastle. The first match was the Dragons versus Titans game where the Dragons dominated 18-12. There were some fantastic tries from some of the athletes on the field, starting with Tiana Braffstrid-Smith. She scored the first NRLW try for the Titans and it went a little like this. Brill takes the tap now and goes to the left. Through hands to Tasman Gray. And we saw her right on the stroke of halftime. What a damaging runner she can be close to the goal line. But she's held on too strongly by Shaley Bent. Plays the ball to Brill. Comes to the left. Through hands away to Tiana Rustrand-Smith. And she's over. Tiana Rustrand-Smith scores the first try in Gold Coast Titans NRLW history. Good try there by Tiana. And it was the first try for the Gold Coast Titans. Came late in the game. As you said, the Dragons were dominant for for the majority of that game. But it was quickly followed up by another try. A a lady that we've spoken to on this show a number of times, Shannon Martor, she got uh, the second try for the Titans. And it went something like this. 12 metres out from the goal line. Dummy half this time is Dam. Comes to the left, Griffin. Then away towards centre field with Power. Power showing what she's uh, named after by beating two tackles into the defensive Davis she goes six meters out from the goal line ball's going to be played now out of dummy half destiny brill she's spinning then got a pass away to support and diving over the goal post has scored the try is scored by the titans shannon martor she's really impressive she is Every time she's taken the field, particularly this season, she has had some strong performances. And Destiny Brill, I just want to make mention of, she was on her NRLW debut. I've had the opportunity to go up against her in the Queensland Reds. And for such a young, young player, she has such a bright future. She does. She had a hand in both those tries that the Titans scored. She picked up two points in the ABC Player of the Year Award, which is going to be named after one of our own on the ABC, Ruan Sims. It's called the Rue. So two points for the Rue for Destiny Brill and a strong performance, as you heard there. Uh, in in those tries, a big hand in that. Uh, the second game for the day was the Roosters versus the Broncos. The Broncos coming off the back of three straight uh, premiership titles. Uh, they are heavily backed going into this season, and they were dominant, 20 points to four over the Roosters. I mean, we both called it. We know that the, the Broncos are such a formidable side within the NRLW, and they surely put that on display for everyone to see. The morning of that game, Corbin Baxter, who is the captain of the Roosters, took to Instagram to announce that she wouldn't be playing um, because she had come down with a spicy cough, a.k.a. COVID, which is really unfortunate because you could totally empathize with her position being not only captain, but just being a player, having to wait so long to be able to play the competition and then having to miss out at the last hour. Yeah, well, it's 
No doubt, like you said, it's it's a big loss to lose someone of Corbin's experience um, as the captain of the side, and no doubt she would have been prime ready to go in terms of leading the team. But no doubt, it played a role. The Broncos very dominant. Some pretty good tries scored by the Broncos. They they look very dangerous. Their fullback Tamika Upton, she is insane. She's so quick. She's got really good instincts, awareness of, of how to get around the field, and um, again, she, another fullback in the NRLW that's had a large influence on, on their performances and the way they got that win on the weekend. Yes. The match of the round that I was most looking forward to was the Knights v Eels game. And we have both openly spoke about how we are backing the Eels. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Yes, are. yes, yes. Yeah. So the final uh, score. Oh. We're impartial, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. But we're yes. going for the Eels. Yes, disclaimer. So we, really... we are impartial. That's me and you. Go the Eels. <clears throat> Didn't buy membership for anyone else but the Eels. Um, the final score was twelve thirteen. Now this game was going to always was always going to be a fantastic match because it was the Knights' first match in the NRLW competition, as well as the Parramatta Eels. Both teams have some strong signings, and my goodness, it came down to the last three minutes of the match where we see Maddie Studden slot a field goal. The last tackle. Here it comes, Maddie Studden. Fifteen out. She strikes it. She likes it. She's kicked it and Parramatta wins. Wow. What a moment. Like, you don't expect that one. But then, too, for that to happen in the first round, that just makes Parramatta Eels look like such a scary side. They are a scary side. And well done to the Knights, too, because I yes. don't know that they were given a lot of support uh, in terms of like favoritism coming into the competition. And and they really put up a good fight. It was a tight match, really entertaining. Tiana Penatani crossed the line for a try. Uh, Samaya Telfa, she she crossed as well, the captain for the Eels. Uh, and she had a huge game. She just Her work rate is second to none. And the line she ran to score that try was really impressive. Um, we both tipped the Eels, of course. <clears throat> yes, we, put we, a little, we put ourselves uh, put a little challenge on ourselves last week to to do something. What was it? And you mentioned a little bit before. Yes. So we challenged each other to purchase a membership for Parramatta Eels because we want to put our hand or our money where our mouth is. Yes. And if if one of us didn't, you had to pay not only for your own, but you'd also have to reimburse the other. Happy to say that we all passed. Including oh, we are on. Yes, we're we've got our member. I haven't got my like um, kit. Lenny hasn't come out to my house yet. No. Oh, did I get mine? No, 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 I haven't got mine I would yet. expect you'd be wearing it in if you no, had No, don't lie. You told me that the Parramatta Eels messaged you personally and said, Dean Halliday, it's an absolute privilege to have you as a member. No, it was generic. It was a generic message. Welcome to the No, that's not what to you told us on our call like earlier this week. Favoritism. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well done to the Parramatta Eels. Yes. Turning our attention to the AFLW, we hit round eight, which was also Indigenous round. The Brisbane Lions defeated the West Coast Eagles 15-8-98 to four straight 24. Yes, huge performance from the Brisbane Lions. There's been a number of big scores over the last few weeks with uh, the record getting a bit of a nudge, but the Lions going on to, to break that with uh, 98 points. Uh, big performance from Jessie Wardlaw. She's of Māori heritage and she scored three goals, so impressive from her, but um, dominant performance in the end by the Lions. What's most impressive also about this scoreline is that the Lions have set the record for the biggest AFLW score. That is huge. That's and a huge feat. It is a huge feat. The Eagles got their highest score as well, despite the loss. So they are obviously hoping to improve and, and start to be uh, more competitive, but that's a step in the right direction for them. Yes, well done to the girls. 
That's the code that I love, Super Rugby Pacific. We hit round two last week where we saw in the first match the Waratahs take on the Reds. The Reds came out on top 20 to 16. This game was such a back and forth game in the sense that it was such a tight contest. The Waratahs had, um, or I should say, maintained majority of the possession but just weren't able to convert it to any points. The Reds, who were genuinely starved of the ball, were able to pull something out of the hat. Their defense was out of this world and what it came down to was a four-point difference. Jordan Pattaya was able to cross the whitewash and it sounded a bit like this. Fodawaka comes in to clean out. It's going to be used by Salakai Loto. Pick and drive met by the defence. Can't get over. Great first contact there from Harris. I fancy it was. Now centrefield to O'Connor. Kicks for the in-goal area. Beautifully executed. Straight into the hands of Jordan Pataya. And the Reds score the first try of the night. Great try. Great try. Crossfield kick in really ordinary conditions to come up with that catch. And uh, I might add, it was at Leichhardt Oval, one of my favourite places yes. in the world. But um, yeah, good try from Jordan Pataya. Uh, and like you said, good performance from the Reds. Uh, one thing that I heard you mention in the call was that Despite the conditions, there was a lot of expansive play by both teams, which is encouraging. Yes. You would have thought because of the wet conditions, and it's typically something that happens when I play, is that we want to play a bit tighter to be able to secure our own ball. But both teams didn't take the rain into consideration and just played their style of play, which was um, really impressive to see. Now, one thing that we set you last week was a challenge to get a word in, <laughs> in, your, in your debut call. So not only are you trying to contend with the weather and you're learning what the ropes on the sideline, but we chucked a word at you and... Uh, it was a pretty good drop that you put it in. It went like this. In the first half, the Waratahs maintained most of the possession and he came into the second half and particularly around line-out, it looked a little bit discombobulated. Could you shed a bit of light around that? Sorry, what was that ended? Around the line-out time. <laughs> yeah. It looked like you, you, guys, um, you guys lost it for a bit. Yeah, it's, it's wet, so it's tough conditions. So the word was discombobulated. Yes. And I used it, and I used it well. But I was uh, interviewing Will Harris at the time, and as you guys could hear, <laughs> he kind of leaned into the mic and said, sorry, what was that last bit? And I was like, oh. He was discombobulated by he what you was, said. He was, he was. But yes, I used the word. Well done. That was, Thank you. That's Thank a big you. tick on that. I kid you not, on my notes I had written the word discombobulated because I wanted to make sure <laughs> that I hit the word. The following day we saw the Brumbies take on Joa down in Canberra. The Brumbies thrashed them, 42 <laughs> Don't laugh. No, no, with the way you said it, like thrashed. Yeah, yeah. thrashed them of 42 to 3. So draw, as we know, they are one of the newest teams into the competition and we aren't expecting them to win um, up front. But what was heartening from that performance is that they can compete. It's just they need to minimize their mistakes and not throw the ball away. I think Fijians have this style of play of just trying to like offload and play quick. But in the end, it looks a little bit messy, particularly in the way that we play here in Australia. It's quite structured. Um, regardless of the results, I think it was such an impressive performance from the Brumbies. And it was great to see a lot of Fijians up in the stands as well. Yes. And like you said, hopefully they learn those, they learn those lessons, the drawer, and they can keep improving um, throughout the competition. Quick mention to Len Ikatao, Rob Valentini, um, who both crossed the white line, as well as Noel Olesio, who slotted three from six. And I guess the last thing, the last thing, I know I'm spending a little bit of time here, but the last thing I want to mention is Frank Lamani has also signed on with the Fijian Joy. He's an impressive halfback who has done some time with the Melbourne Rebels. He won't be playing with Joy as of this week because they just want to kind of rest him to get him, I guess, kitted up for next week. But we can expect to see him in the near future. Just bolstering their ranks. So good stuff there for the Drua. Now, the other match we want to make mention of is the Blues versus the Hurricanes over in New Zealand. Uh, big match here because the Blues won the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman last year and they were hoping to, to 
launch into the season and continue that form. And they started well in this game, but the Canes came back with a uh, a stunning victory, 33-32. to 32. That scoreline suggests that it's such a thrilling match and that it was. Um, one person I do want to make mention of is Roger Tuvasashek, who has been waiting a very long time to make his debut, which he did. Put on the number 12 jersey and by all reports um, and I guess all coverage around the match, their coach has given him the nod of approval for what he'd done. He was able to run 50 metres from 11 runs. He made 13 tackles and he also wasn't afraid to throw his offload. So it's good to see him kind of find his groove very quickly. Um, in in the Blues jersey, and no doubt he'll continue to impress. Yes, he will. He's a, a talented player, and um, I, I know I'm biased because I'm a rugby league uh, person, but um, he'll, he'll definitely make a mark in the Super Rugby game. But in this match in particular, the, the, the Canes started pretty well. They got an intercept try to Celesi Rayasi. Uh, he ended up with three. He got a hat-trick on the day, so the winner Eesh. doing a great job there. And yeah, it came down to the last um, few minutes of the game, and, and they were behind the Hurricanes, and they shifted it to their right, made a break down the right edge, and then came back in field to Artie Sevilla, the captain. He crossed the line to secure victory. They were, I think it was 32-28 at the time. So uh, he crossed the line, and uh, it was a Canes win. And, yeah, great way for them to, to get the victory in round two and um, really exciting play. Although it was an empty stadium, which kind oh. of like at the moment, for the way things are in New Zealand, it was um, the atmosphere was a bit low, but hopefully that, that changes soon. Yeah, I agree. And just before we wrap up um, news for this week, we want to acknowledge two All Blacks legends. It's been a, a sad week for the rugby community with the loss of Vayega Tugimala and Chueli Vindiri. Yes, uh, big losses in uh, for, for obviously both, both those families and, and also for the game of, of rugby, All Blacks legends, both wingers. And, and Tugimala, I remember when I was younger, there's something my dad always spoke about, like watching, watching rugby. He was such a powerhouse, kind of like um, the same style of winger like, like Jonah Lommel was. He was um, big, strong, powerful, fast, and uh, just caused havoc out on an edge. And Rindiri, uh, again, played in the early days of, of Super Rugby. It would have been um, – the name would have been different. That would have been Super 12s or something like that. So um, played in the early stages, represented the All Blacks uh, and his Fijian heritage, Tuingamala Samoan, played rugby league as well, Tuingamala. So two great losses over the past week and um, well acknowledged there by the Moana Pacifica on their on their Instagram page. Beautifully said, Dean. Well, that's the week in sport. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Tullamore Time, we're very lucky to be joined by George Danzi. He has been working in the NRL for over 10 years as a wellbeing officer as well as a sports chaplain. And right now we actually have him in the studio. So, George, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. George, let's just take it right to the very beginning because, like, we all have a personal relation. Like, Dean and I both have a personal relationship with you. My relation to you is through church. That's how we met um, at Hillsong. I remember being, like, a youth kid and everyone being like, oh, that's this Fijian guy and he hangs out with all the NRL players. <laughs> and I'm like, who is it? Like, oh, George Danzi. <laughs> so how has your journey evolved from, um, I guess, from a youngster to being where you are right now? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a long cup of tea over hours and hours of discussion. But I think <laughs> to start us off, like your brother's probably, uh, where's and I a similar age or age bracket, um, born in 82. And so I think, uh, in a young Fijian cultural family here in Sydney, we we, we aspired to be a, a sports star, I guess. And then for me, it wasn't really happening back then. I went to a boarding school, was fortunate enough to go to a boarding school for two years. I uh, got an opportunity, but then I was just getting injured and wasn't really getting any traction. And then um, 
all of a sudden a good friend of mine um, that was playing for the Roosters, Steve Meredith, he got injured. Um, he, I think he made his debut and only lasted a couple of minutes. He, he did his ACL. I went and visited him hospital and all of a sudden, like, just being there with him just sort of sparked something I really didn't know I had, like just lo- supporting people through the worst times. And so that really sparked something in me. Just, he didn't, I, I didn't know what it was until I actually realised what a sports shuffling was. And then I realised, um, this is probably something I want to do. Looked into it, did a course for a week, and then they had the Penrith Panthers chaplain come on board and talk, and then I realised this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. However it will work out, however the, the, the dots will join up. So over the period of time, I just ran like a little um, men's group, um, and Steve was in there, a couple of other guys that were playing. Then you would have PJ Marsh and also Charlie Tong. So they were the guys really that sort of sparked my um, my sort of passion for it because PJ was the one that actually told me, you'd be good in this space because he was at Paramount at the time. He just he just uh, finished a neck uh, surgery. He actually got injured really bad again when he was playing for the Warriors. But he spoke it into my life, which I didn't realise. And then all this, like looking back on it now, he was the real guy that sparked it. Can, can I just say, I, I know Steve Meredith, he works at the NRL. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about support and helping someone through a real difficult time and Often you don't see the, the fruits of that until nah, later on, right? Exactly. And Steve's a wonderful human being and he's been working at the NRL for a long time. He's, he's progressed his way through the ranks there and he's doing a really good job yeah. in the community space. So no doubt part of what you passed on to him as well through that period has mm-hmm. helped take him to where he is now. I guess uh, working around so many um, athletes that do go through challenging times, it, it, I dare say at times it would be weigh heavily on yourself? Is that something that, um, you know, you have strategies around how you deal with it your own self as well when, you, when you've got to try and support others but also look after your own backyard? Yeah, um, 100%. Like I, when I was young, I'm still young. I'm, I'm 40 in a couple of weeks. But Jeez. when I started, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, when I was young, I wanted to do everything and help out everyone, um, you know, and that took, took a toll, not like um, physically but just more emotionally on me. Um, when I started, I was married, so didn't, we didn't have kids. I've got three kids now, so I realised I was taking more time away from my, my wife because I'd be working a normal job. I was working at a, as a storeman um, at a TAFE out in Western Sydney and then working full-time, and then that, outside those hours, I'd be either catching up with somebody here in the city. Um, so I was you know, I was coming home about 10 o'clock, 8 o'clock at, at, at night every time and go back to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. So just that balance, and that was doing it for about four or five years. And so, but I really knew that, where I was working wasn't going to be the rest of my life, but I really knew this was, was going to be it. So, I, like, they talk about your your destiny. Like, this is what I wanted to do, but just didn't know how it was going to end up until, like, an opportunity came for, for my actual church to say, look, we want to – we see what you do. We support what you do. You can, like, start part-time as a sports chaplain. So they gave me a lot of time just to start. I realise now um, I need to off- offload some of the stuff that, you know, that people – like, you know, the pressures – like, what I find is – the athletes, they just want someone to trust them and, and trust them with some of the stuff they want to talk to them about. And then it's my opportunity just to feel, uh, to realise, like, okay, I can't keep this. I've got to actually realise and figure out how to actually, you know, internally deal with it but also let it go. So I'll, I'll catch up with the psych every now and then. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Sorry, I'm just, like, so mesmerised by your answer. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take it back to Parramatta Eels. Yep. You mentioned just before we went on to air that you have been with the club now for 12 years. How has your time mm. evolved there? Like, how has it been? Like, you would have started at a time where 
I don't know what it looks like, but now we see Parramatta Eels and it's such a formidable side, but no doubt behind the scenes, there is stuff that happens. There are conversations that need to be had. And I just, I'm intrigued to know what that inner sanctum looks and sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's such a, like, I look back on it and go, man, I I, I honestly don't know. 12 years have gone so quick, but yet the first year I started, it seemed so long. Uh, I when I started the the old chaplain he was leaving he was transitioning out and then just so happens the match the football manager was 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 talking to some of the senior players which two of them I knew about having somebody on board and they mentioned my name and so I was actually catching up with them for coffee so I went to the reception I was waiting and then he actually walked out and he saw me he goes are you are you George and I said yeah I am and then he said well can I have a chat and I thought I was in trouble or something you know like I thought <laughs> oh you can't be hanging out with the athletes but actual fake to me took me took me to his office and then it was actually like the interview process which i didn't realize uh of becoming a chaplain so the he said oh the boys actually some of the guys actually they say good things about you the chaplain's leaving how would you feel like if you want to become a chaplain and i was like okay yeah definitely like what do you need me to do so that was the first first step the really important one which is a bit of a tragic story was when the club realized that who they had a chaplain was when we had a, we had a situation um one of our Support staff passed away tragically, and so the same year, literally not four or five weeks later, um, and so I had to be called in and to address the whole team, uh, the whole sport, uh, coaching staff, and the whole team. And I only knew like three or four of the playing staff, so I had to come in, daunting as ever, looking at at at, at athletes I idolised when I was young, and tell them about like uh, like do a grief and. Um, Loss analysis, not analysis, but an incident. Um, so I walked in. I just had. I realised this is if this is what a chaplain's going to be. I've, I've got to own it. I've got to just be part. It's part and parcel of of the role. You don't expect things to happen to go down a certain path, but you when they do, then you, you have to stand up. And so that was my um, baptism of fire. And but after that, like it was actually really good because everyone knew who I was. I wasn't trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to push religion, but more so just support and encouragement. And um, and it was taken really well, and the coaching staff really appreciated. So that was my. I feel like every chaplain I talk to, or that once become an aspiring chaplain, I say there's definitely a moment where there'll be a baptism of fire mm. stage. I just got goosebumps. I was watching Sarah, just looking over, watching Sarah. Hang on your words. I'm hanging on your words oh. as well. And <laughs> it's um, that's like a, a really like really cool story to to share. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask is. Uh, there's quite a we've, we've spoken about it a number of times. There's a huge percentage of Pacifica players in the NRL, in across um, both rugby codes in Australia, and I know at Parramatta there's a huge population there or a huge percentage of Pacifica. Yourself is culture play, has culture played a really big role in how you've developed as a chaplain and then the approach that you take to looking after your players. Yeah, I 100 percent like it's developed over the years. You would know Dino as well, Sarah. Like it's definitely developed, and like we actually had a cultural like yesterday a workshop cultural workshop where. Uh, players actually shared a bit about their story, um, heritage and whatever. And so, like, it was only six or seven players. But um, it was a really good starting point because some players don't know. Like, one one player got up, a young player got up, and he said he had ten siblings. And everyone's like, what? You know, I'm like, that's normal yeah. in, in Pacifica and, and Māori culture. Um, another player got up and he lost some siblings. And so I just feel like, um, you know, there's certain things where you, you, you learn about certain things and, and – uh, like we have, I would just calculate sixty two percent of our playing staff are not Anglo Saxon. Thirty eight, like thirty eight are, but sixty two they break it down into Tongan, Samoan, Lebanese. We've got uh, Nigerian. So like it, it's 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 you got to understand where they where they come from to come to training. So I feel like that's important, and I think it's definitely evolved where 
like obviously in, in, in NRL and other codes, there's more uh, cultured players and athletes coming through, female and male, um, that, you know, they do things differently. You can learn about their habits, learn about their culture. I, I read Ben Ryan's book on um, Seventh Heaven and I realised like he actually got it. He went to their mum. He wanted to sign the the, the, the player, obviously, when he spoke to the mum because he realised the mum was the head of the house. The dad was always working and the mum was, they always value what the mum say. And so um, I, I thought, oh, he actually developed a long couple of years, learn the culture first and then learn how to actually craft his trade as a coach. I have to ask, what is the best part of your job and what is the hardest part of your job? Uh, the best part, you get freebies. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Free membership, oh, yeah. AAA access to the change oh, rooms. yeah, yeah, the gears, everything. Uh, you know, yeah, the, um, the, the best part of it is really like, like you're, in a, you're in, a, in a space, a special space, uh, you know, and not everyone can be in that space. Not everyone can be in that, in that setting because it, it, is, it is quite unique and like it's not special. It's more like you, you, you feel like you're privileged. Especially working with a well-known club, um, and so there's a lot of. I still feel like I'm a visitor still in the club all, all these years later, but I feel like um, that's that's great. You get to meet great people. Um, you get to see how they work, and you develop some good some good habits. Those are some of the things that stand out. The people really stand out because it's not just about the coach and stuff. The players is actually like you go to the, the stadium. It's the ground manager. It's you know the the announcer, the MC, or every everyone like the commentator on the sideline. Um, the worst part is, is, is um, I would say, would be, you know, try not to take on too much. Yeah. There's it's just one, one, one step at a time, one, one thing at a time. And not everything's bad, but it's just, just like there's just you, you can't calculate certain things on a, on a, on a day. So um, yeah, just trying to take things. There's a saying. What's a saying? Um, you can't be all things to everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and if you're a friend to everyone, you're a friend to no one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, like that's what I really like. Like, you can't just be everyone's friend. Like, there's certain I've got like my four or five. Um, I can go hang out with coffins and laugh our heads off. Illy's one of them. Are your MC partner, Sarah? <laughs> and, and and we can just laugh and that uh, till one o'clock in the morning. I'll come home and that's me being refreshed. So yeah. I feel like you need everyone. Sort of needs that, you know, time away from what they do and just have that time where everyone knows you. They ground you. It grounds you and you carry on for the next week or two and you need that again. So. George, honestly, I could listen to you speak. No, I'm like, I'm so because I'm like, who's your favorite player? Like, oh, what do they do? Yeah. Um, you know, all of these things. But we, we're a bit shot for time. But before we let you go, we actually have this little segment that we love to run with our guests. It's called Tip On, and what it is is that we have a timer that goes for sixty seconds, and I ask you some rapid fire questions. Yeah. Whoa, and, let's do this. And you just you say the first thing that comes to mind. Like, I don't want you to think too much, man. I just all want right. you to say first thing that comes. Don't judge me. Okay. Okay. Sweet. All right. The clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Atomic Habits. Okay. What was your first concert? Oh, man, Chris Brown. Who was your most annoying teammate? Our teammate workmate will be David Gower. <laughs> Who was your sporting hero? Uh, Steve Renoff. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh, um, next. As in <laughs> next, too close. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> what was your favorite movie as a, as a kid? Um, oh, as a kid, no, no, Jerry Maguire. Love Jerry Maguire. Who at Parramatta is always on their phone? Wow. Wow. Um, Mike Acevo. <laughs> What's something you could eat for a month straight? Chop suey. Favorite place you've traveled to? South Africa. <laughs> Do you have a hidden talent? I can play the saxophone. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Denzel. 
Which boy at Parramatta has the best or worst fashion sense? Ooh, best Hayes Dunster and worst, oh, something like Mike Siva. <laughs> <laughs> You're so brutal to Micah. <laughs> that was great. Did you yeah. say you play the saxophone? Oh, yeah. I knew this is coming back. That. Yeah, I did. I did. That's you, really impressive. It's not in the car, is it? Did no, no. Oh, well, no, no. I did play. I, I actually just learned. I thought the sax was just unique instrument and so I just thought oh, I was going to learn so I just did in, did in high school tenor a tenor tenor section yeah, okay. yeah. look at that this no, 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 Fiji's very own Kenny G <laughs> Fiji's very own Kenny G right here oh, in the studio bring with us. Kenny G back <laughs> well George it's been great to have you on the show uh, we've got a quick can you stick around because we've got a, a segment that we run called, run called You Can Ask That uh, sure it can be tricky at times but we think you'd be perfect to, to sit in on this for us so no, 100% happy to do so thank you sweet You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Well, it's time for our favourite segment of the show, You Can Ask That, and it's where we ask, or we get asked as current or former athletes, uh, something that might be burning in a listener's mind, and we're lucky enough to be joined by George Danzi from Parramatta Eels uh, this week to answer the question, which comes from Katie. Uh, she's in East Gardens, and uh, the question's around some things that we've seen pop up online. Uh, over, it's, it's happened for a little while now, but it's, it's happened recently in the AFLW. Uh, there's been a number of trolls that have jumped online and they've made comments that can be racist, sexist, uh, body shaming, um, particularly towards female athletes. And I guess the question that, that Katie's asking is how do players cope with trolls? And it's, it's lucky that we have George here to, to deal with this question. So I'm going to go to you straight away here on this one, George. And um, in your experience dealing with players and, and um, some that maybe have to deal with trolls, uh, and it could be around the things I mentioned, it could be around their performance as well. How, how do you see players dealing with that? Yeah, that, that, I mean, the, the players, they, they do it really well. Like they, they see it, they, they read it. But I actually think it's more the, um, the families that are involved. They actually feel 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 it more more so because what it, it does to them, and what it uh, does to the whole you know like like kids go to school, and people know about what what has been said online. So all that sort of takes a massive rapport with them, and then it's like in these days, identity is such a massive thing, and it can uh, it has this stigma about it whenever something's said online, which is obviously not true. And so like that to me that 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 takes months just to even get back to a normal mindset and emotional state of mind. Um, especially with 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 families um, as well as the athletes as well, but it is, I don't know how to get around it. It is it is such a big issue because everyone's open to whatever they got to say on online. Um, we 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 have uh, specific people that we call upon just to just to investigate certain things. Yeah. If it's um, like just if you want to go uh, deeper, but I think I think it needs to be cracked down more. Yeah, you're. It's, it definitely needs to be something that needs to be addressed more. And I know there's been pushes from government uh, or lobbyists to, towards government to try and change laws to to try and eliminate it. Sarah, have you uh, seen or experienced any of the stuff we're talking about yourself or with teammates? Um, I've definitely felt the need to be able to speak up or, you know, kind of come to defence when I see something online that isn't right. But I just know how sticky online, the online world can be. And by giving, you know, responding is exactly what that troll wants. And I have had an experience of receiving some troll mail. Um, and it was actually on my first time with another broadcast. I was, we were live on air and I quickly jumped on Instagram and I saw something. It was like, you know, like, shut up. Like you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, um, like pretty much just calling me a fraud. And like, that was so deflating to be able to read that because 
the next time that we, I went, we went back onto air, all I could think about was this troll sitting in the comfort of their own home, looking at me or ridiculing me. And it's such a, it's, it's, it actually makes you feel quite sad because in your own mind, like you feel so safe in your identity, but someone who is a stranger has the power and the influence to, to make you think otherwise or to doubt yourself. So, um, I've now created some boundaries for myself of like, I will not check my phone when I'm on air or I'm, or I'm working. Um, just cause I, I don't want to open myself to it. Does that mean it protects me a hundred percent from these people? Mm. No, it doesn't, but I need to, because of that experience and some extensive media training, um, you know, with the Waratahs and with the Wallaroos, I know not to engage, not because, oh, I don't want to satisfy them, but to protect myself, like protect my own peace of mind. So yeah, that's, that's my experience. Yeah, you? Uh, I haven't experienced, like I've, I remember in the past, you know, probably social media when I was playing wasn't like, you wouldn't get attacked too much, but it was mostly around performance. Like, you know, if you have a bad game, then I'd get the, I'd see the comments online to say, you know, you know Dean played this and that. Like it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't ever anything that was directed at me personally. It was more about my performance, which does sting. And you're right. If you're, if you, um, the situation you just described then would be really hard to come back from in the moment. If you jump online, it's human nature to want to know what other people think about you. Mm. And when you're such doing such a public role or you're in the public eye so much, you want to know what you're doing. And sorry, you want to know if what you're doing, you're doing well. And if you're getting feedback from strangers, you tend to buy into it sometimes. But the, the thing that I sort of learned myself is that you can't please everyone and you can't um, impress everyone. You can't, make everyone like what you do, there's going to be a range of different opinions about how you are or what you do as a person. So I tried to just block it out and ignore it because opinions are opinions and yeah, they don't, the at the end of the day, they don't matter too much to me. It's more about myself and what I take out of things. But when it comes to things like um, racism, sexism, body shame, and those types of online things, they, they can be, um, they're, they're quite personal, right? So um, yeah. I get bent out of shape when I see comments online. Even some of the stuff that we've posted for the show on on Twitter and whatnot, I've seen some of the comments comments fall. Off. I've seen some of the comments fall off the back of that, and uh, it, it really gets me gets me rolled up. And I want to jump on there and start ranting and going back at people. But like you said, as soon as you're engaged, you're doing what the trolls want. You, you, you're yeah. buying into it. You're giving them air time. You're keeping it sticky. You're keeping it going. So that's I just try and avoid it. It's also negative energy to get pulled into, which I don't mm. want. George, if you could just say one thing, because there, you know, there are so many different listeners and trolls, they uh, everyday people. Let's mm, be honest. Man. What would be one piece of advice that you could give to them? Also, knowing because you work with athletes, right, and you see firsthand and you've heard firsthand, I guess how it affects us yeah. or them. So, what would be your piece of advice to someone who who enjoys trolling online? Yeah, that's a very good question. I would just say your comments, your your thoughts that you put on actually actually hurts. Like it actually impacts people's lives, you, which you wouldn't know till uh, today, probably down the track it will, because they'll be thinking about it five years from now, four years from now. It does have a ripple, ripple effect. All, all I can say is just just be nice. Like, you, know, you don't have to say anything bad. Just say just say something nice about whatever you've got to say. There's no, there's no harm in saying something really nice. I get it. Like, you're, you're upset. Because I, I see the other side where the wall's already up with athletes. and I, I can see it. As soon, I don't have to know them. I can see the wall's up. But then all of a sudden when they actually trust you, the, the brick by brick, that wall comes down because that wall's up because they're afraid of what people can think of them. They're afraid of people are going to say. They're afraid of, you know, because, oh, he's read things. I see it all the time. And it's just like, that's that's an accident waiting, for, waiting to happen. And uh, and uh, I'm saying to everyone that's, that's out there, like, 
just be cautious of what you say because your words, your, your emotions do have an effect. And um, good or bad, it's your choice. Mm. Let's just choose good. Let's choose just start good. there. You know? Well said. That's the, that's the gospel for today, choose good. <laughs> well, thank you so much, George. Um, we definitely will be having you on our show in the, the future because, you know, just the wisdom you bring is, oh. is second to none. <laughs> and to all our listeners, if you'd like to ask any questions to either George, Dean or myself, please feel free to contact us on Instagram. My handle is at Sarah Nangama. You can find the rev at at George Danzi and Dean Hallitow at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Now it's time for Keeping It Social. We've, we've scoured the uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook feeds to try and find something for this week. Sarah, what's your one? My one comes from the Parramatta Eels NRLW Instagram page. As we know, the girls won on the weekend and they have this, and I'm sure we've, we've covered it on the show, they have this fantastic team song and it makes me want to scream and buy into it. But basically it's um, them in the sheds after the game and they have this vibrant, vibrant Fiji and um, half in the middle of the circle just uh, leading them into their team song and it sounds like this. It's the let's trot, let's trot. And as you know, let's trot, that's a bit of an iconic line from Josh Adokar. And the man actually commented on the post and said, appreciate the love, girls. Keep up the deadly work. Let's try to parallel on way soon. How good. That's, that's so much energy just in that. So much. There's just so much energy around the Parramatta's camp. Parramatta's plural. Parramatta <laughs> camp. Um, so, yes, that, that had to take the top of my socials this week. What about you? Well, I've gone to our own social pages, the ABC Sport. Uh, Instagram page and they've posted um, at the moment there's there's quite a bit of rain down the eastern seaboard of Australia it's been quite challenging challenging for a lot of people with some um, some flooding in areas all up and down the east coast and up in Queensland Mick Fanning he lives on the Gold Coast and there's been some um, some nasty floods around there and there was an SOS sent out by a member of the community she wanted to get to she's a pharmacist and she wanted to get to her pharmacy to try and co- collect supplies to help people in the Marilla I can't say the word, Marilumba. She needed a lift from Tweed to Marilumba. Marilumba. When I go to actually say it, I just, it makes me laugh. Anyway, Mick Fanning's done the, the good community deed of getting on the jet ski and giving uh, the pharmacist a lift to her pharmacy so that she could help residents out. And it just shows, uh, I guess, people helping each other in a, in a difficult time and, and what a good bloke Mick Fanning is. I love that. That's such a feel good story. Yes. And we wish everyone all the best that's yes. going through some difficult times in some uh, flood affected areas at the moment. In the rut, tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the rut, our first update is around the Super Rugby All Picky, which we know was meant to begin on March 5th. That is the Premier 15s competition for women in New Zealand. However, it is just taken to news that they will now begin on March 10th. So there's a slight delay on their season and that they're tournament which we announced last week was already going to be condensed to a round robin style over a two-week period will will kind of stay that way but the only reason they need to move it back is to ensure that all of their matches can still go ahead and COVID won't get in the way yeah disappointing no doubt for all the players involved to be preparing to, to have their start date this week it's been pushed back and um 
we, we spoke about last week how that condensed format, you've been a part of it, how difficult it would be to play um, games within a short turnaround and, and, and try and um, get through the season. So this is just another hurdle in the way uh, for, for the women uh, over there in the Super Rugby Alpiki, but hopefully uh, it gets away smoothly when it does on March the 10th. Yes. So sucks, but their time is coming and I'm, I'm excited to see them get underway. In other news, hurdling in rugby has made press, but it's a, it's a, okay, just for a bit of context. So World Rugby have announced that hurdling in rugby union will now be banned in the opening round of the Super Rugby Pacific competition. We saw Chiefs number eight leap over Aaron Smith, who we know is a fantastic um, halfback for the Highlanders. And so people were, you know, going online and there was a bit of controversy surrounding it saying, you know, is it legal what he did? That's dangerous play. What if he kicked Aaron in the head and it was going to be, you know, this dramatic injury, et cetera, et cetera. So World Rugby have now ruled hurdling out of rugby. Yeah, this is a, an interesting rule change and, and fairly like it's a bit of a knee jerk reaction, I would say to, to this, like no pun intended on the, on the knees. That's a, the danger. <laughs> is it? Anyway, look, I find it funny. I see this happen in the NFL quite a bit that the hurdling, it's like a, it's a play that they, or a, a an evasion tactic that they use often in, in the NFL. It does sometimes go wrong. I've seen players leap far too early, foot extended to hurdle, but the player lands on the defending player with their foot outstretched, which I guess is definitely a risk, but it's athletic to see number eight jump over Aaron Smith. In the end, he avoided him, right? So yes. it, was, it was probably the right play to avoid actually hurting him which he probably would have done if he ran straight into him. So I guess the burning question is, do you think this rule is necessary? No, I don't think it's necessary. Okay, I absolutely agree I don't with think you. we've I don't seen enough this... to even worry about it. Who even think? No one actually intends, particularly in a game like rugby union or rugby league, to hurdle over the, a defender. I, I do cast my, my mind back to Sulehasi Van Valu. Yes. When he was playing for Melbourne, I think it was 2017 or 18. Anyway, he's doing a kick return. I think it was a kick return. Yeah, he's running back from his own hand. And the defensive line was coming up, and he jumped at the defensive line. I don't know if, I don't think he was trying to hurdle. I just. He just jumped over the defender. Yeah, I think he wanted to launch himself through the line in some way, and that was his best tactic for doing it. It was really awkward, and he got he nearly got suspended for it. I remember that because it made news, and he, as you alluded to, he's a Fijian player. So my brothers they also are also part of the Fijian Bati squad, and I, I said to Ken, I was like, "What? Like, what is? Why did Sully do that?" And he said, "The boys actually put it in the group," and he responded, "I was playing. The floor is lava." <laughs> <laughs> he was up in the air for for a good while. So good good hang time. with Sarah and Dean on ABC Radio Australia. Looking forward this week, there is a lot happening in the Super Rugby Pacific competition. We hit round three. First match we see is Moana Pacifica take on the Crusaders. This is a special theme round where they're celebrating their women. What's really cool about this is Moana Pacifica, who we know have missed out on the opening two matches of this competition due to COVID, will actually have their first hit out. So this is super exciting for them. Very exciting. They come out up against a pretty formidable side in the Crusaders, mm. um, but hopefully They've put all the first two rounds of the COVID disruption behind them. The, the players are fit and ready to go, and, and they put in a strong performance. And like I said, great to be uh, doing it on uh, a themed women's round. Yes. The second match that will be taking place is between Fiji and Joy and the Melbourne Rebels. Initially, this match was meant to take place at Lang Park, but 
because of the recent floods in Brisbane, it has now been moved to the Sunshine Coast. This will be an interesting matchup because Fiji and Joe, as we know, very new team. They're still kind of getting their structure together. And the Melbourne Rebels haven't done extremely well, you know, in the preseason trial period um, and even in the opening two rounds. So I think this could be a fair contest. Yes, it, it should be. And, uh, there is a focus for the Fijian draw to, to look at the little things, to, to focus on the, the little things within the game, the one percenters, to, to try and get that uh, victory to kickstart their, their campaign, I guess, against the Rebels. So we'll be watching closely to see how they go. Yes. And the one I'm most looking forward to is the Brumbies and the Waratahs match. The Brumbies are on a strong kind of run with their opening two rounds and the Waratahs have been steadily in the fight. So I think it'll be um, great to see who comes out on top. So the Tars are one and one. They've won yes. one, lost one. Tough one against uh, the Reds last week. That was that. Yeah, that was our fault. They go down to Canberra to play the Brumbies. Can they it's get It's very hard. It's very hard to win in Canberra for the Waratahs. Like for any visiting team, historically, yeah. it's really hard. But I think the boys are up for it. And um, we actually had Darren Coleman, who's the head coach of the Waratahs, come into um, do jersey presentation for our girls early this week. So it was cool to kind of just like be in the same room and being like, yeah, you know, the boys are preparing, you girls are preparing. We're going down there to, to do a job. Like, yeah, that's us. Speaking of, Super W kicks off this weekend, and I'm so excited. Is, is it the excitement building within the squad? And, and from what you hear from other teams, Friday night it all starts, and uh, the Tars off on, on, on Saturday night, like you said, in that, that double header with other men's as well. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. There was a season launch um, held earlier this week, and so, you know, there's just such great buy-in from all of the all the sides. Fijiana Draw will be joining the competition for the first time ever, so it looks different. And in this year where we've just – you know, we've been starved of our football. We're just keen to go out there and play some good code and um, get some 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 game time under our belt. Can we get an injury update from you? Yes. So unfortunately, I'll be missing out this week and most likely to be next week as well. Um, I'm still carrying some stress bone um, that isn't healing too quickly, but I'm doing everything I can because, as we know, the season isn't too long. So I want to be on the field by round three and, um, yeah, I want to play some football. Fingers crossed for you, Sarah, to be back on the field. Cheers, Hala. Now over to the NRLW, which goes into round two. We had a we mentioned off the top of the show a cracking round one, and uh, this weekend promises to deliver more of the same. Yes, I'm so excited. First match up we have is the Knights v Broncos, and I have to ask, we have to do our tips as well. So Knights v Broncos, who you who you got? Uh, Knights v Broncos. I'm going to stick with the competition favourites, the Broncos. Same. And then we have Roosters v Titans. Roosters v Titans is going to be a tough one. The Roosters need to bounce back, and they're going to be without their skipper again in Corbin Baxter. Uh, the Titans showed a little bit of promise in, they their, did. in their first match against a fairly strong uh, Dragons outfit. So oh, I'm going to go to the Roosters for a bounce back. Roosters for the bounce back. I'm going to go for the Titans. Okay. Because... As you mentioned, they showed a bit of promise last week, and I think they can back it up. Last match for the NRLW round is going to be the Dragons versus the Eels. Who have you got? Oh, Dragons did really well last week. Ah, I know you typically. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm an Eels fan. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Eels as well. Also, can I just make a shout out? I just saw Nelly, our producer's eyes rise over the laptop, like the computer screen. like Thinking you're going to tip Yeah, why, why are you thinking? <laughs> so yes, go the Eels. The girls are going to do it. And all these three games, a reminder, will be broadcast live on Radio Australia and it's down in Wollongong. So triple header in Wollongong. Get around it if you can. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Yes, so if you miss the show or you just want to listen to all of the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday at 2pm PNG time, where you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. That's all the Kia. Mother. Can you be more Pacific? 
an ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.